Well, good morning. And uh, thank you to all those who've been great encouragement, knowing that I was speaking, how they were going to encourage me, faces they were going to pull, whoops and amens. And, and then John says, just get on with it. Don't say anything at the beginning. So, sorry, John. Some, I realize some of you don't know me, although we've been in the church a couple of years. I am Tom's dad. I went from being Alan's son to Tom's dad with never being Tim in the middle. But I am, no R, I'm proud of both very much, so it's okay. If you'd like to turn to Mark chapter 1, I do think, I really believe God wants to speak to us this morning. And for us to respond individually, maybe as couples, maybe as families, certainly as a church to his call to follow him as we go into 2018. I don't know what 2017 was like for you, just hearing those testimonies. Some have had hard years, others have been wonderfully exciting. We were, a year ago we were going into 2017 knowing that there was going to be a wedding in the family. Our son Josh was getting married, we were very excited, he was the first one of our sons to be getting married. We didn't realise there'd be a second wedding... Nor did we realise there'd be a moment as we stood next to an open grave as we said goodbye to my dad. Two weddings and a funeral. Only knew about one wedding as we went into the year. We're very aware that we don't know what 2018 holds for us. It's in the darkness that is the future. But I believe, do believe that God is calling us Even as we worship this magnificent saviour this morning, the worship was wonderful, thank you Mark. But even as we're worshipping, I just feel he wants to come to us and say, follow me, follow me. We are, as Christians, followers of Jesus, and that's what we're looking at this morning. Particularly through the eyes of Peter, as we look through the Gospels, at what it meant for him to follow Jesus. So Mark chapter 1, I'm going to read from verse 14 to verse 20, and then pick it up a bit later. I don't know if it's going to appear on the screen or not. It might not, I was told. I will read. I'm actually reading from the English Standard Version, so maybe different to what some of you have. Did something come up then? I'm just going to read. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going a little farther... He saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. And jumping down to verse 29. He's been in the synagogue. After he leaves the synagogue, he enters the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever. And immediately they told him about her. And he came up, took her by the hand, lifted her up. The fever left her and she began to serve them. 
That evening at sundown, they brought him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases, cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everyone's looking for you. And he said to them, let's go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came. And then just into chapter 2, verse 13, later on, he comes back to Capernaum. He says, he went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to them, follow me. And he rose and followed him. When we were, we were, we lived in Dubai for a bit and meeting people in Dubai, the term Christian, um, is highly devalued. It can mean Western. It's a Westerner. You're, a Christian doesn't mean, uh, what we would love it to mean from the Bible. And so a good term to use is, I'm a follower of Jesus. Because as Christians, that is what we are. Of course, we are sons and daughters of God. We are believers. We're a whole load of things that we could talk of. Fundamentally, a Christian is. This morning, I just want us to look at, we are followers of Jesus. To be a Christian means you're a follower of Jesus. And the first thing is, followers of Jesus follow Jesus. Okay, that's that's simple. We'll start simple. Actually, we finish simple as well and don't get much above easy all the way through. So you'll, it's a good one for this time of year. Followers of Jesus follow Jesus. That's what they do. So we, we, when we meet Simon Peter, he is throwing his net out. And Mark very helpfully tells us, uh, you might wonder why he was doing that. Because he was a fisherman. Fisherman fish. So if you talked to Simon Peter and said, what are you doing today? He would have said, well, I'm fishing. Oh, yeah, fishing. That's it. What are you doing tomorrow? Well, fishing. Ah, you like fishing. What are you doing next week? Fishing. I'm a fisherman. Fisherman fish. But actually, after this encounter with Jesus, everything changes. You say to Simon Peter now, what are you doing tomorrow? Well, it kind of depends on what Jesus is doing. In fact, the whole life now depends on what Jesus is doing. They have to learn this. It takes a bit of time. But they will get to the point where if you ask them, are you going to Jerusalem? Are we going to Jerusalem? No, we're not going to Jerusalem. Then Jesus says, actually, although I said we're not going to Jerusalem, we are going to Jerusalem. Oh, we are going to Jerusalem. Why? Because we're just following Jesus. And if he goes here, we'll go there. And if he goes there, we'll go there. My life now is defined by him. That's what followers of Jesus do. Followers of Jesus follow Jesus. Peter and the others have to learn that. And they get really good at it. So they do, like I say. Are we going to Jerusalem? No. Oh, yes. Yes, we are. Because it's all about what he decides. Where he goes, we go. My life now is defined by him. That's meant to be true of us as well. So in 2018... What's going to happen in 2018, we have no idea. We might have some 
some plans, we kind of think, well, maybe we'll be changing schools or class or maybe we're going to university or maybe a baby's on the way or maybe we're planning to get married or whatever. Those still are a bit hazy. And then we have the, as the phrase, the unknown unknowns. Things that just come out of the blue. We don't know, knew nothing about it at the beginning of the year and then bam, there it is. But we're followers of Jesus, and we've been, Becky and I have been thinking about this a lot, I guess, recently. What are we going to do in 2018? Well, I have no idea in one sense, but in another sense, we're going to follow Jesus. And so I want you to respond to that at the end. We're going to follow Jesus. Lord Jesus, we're going to follow you through 2018, wherever that takes us. See, Simon and Andrew and the others learn very quickly that to follow Jesus means to be caught up in the mission of Jesus. So followers of Jesus follow Jesus. Followers of Jesus are caught up in the mission of Jesus. It's there in the word follow, really. It's not just hang out with me. Let's just hang around together. Although he does call the apostles to be with him, it says, he is very much moving. And following has that in its very meaning. There's a movement involved. So it's only, and actually looks, the way Mark tells it, it looks like it's the next morning. Simon Peter wakes up. First day of following Jesus, he used to be a fisherman. As he comes to, he thinks, oh, I'm not not fishing anymore. I'm following Jesus. Where is he? They've lost him. Straight away, they've lost him. It's a bit embarrassing, really. Where is he? Everybody's looking for him. I thought you said you were a follower of Jesus. Well, yeah, we are. You said you were giving up fishing to follow Jesus. Yeah, Yeah, we are. Well, where is he? Well, we don't know, but we're going to go and find him. So they find him, and he's gone away. And they say, everybody's looking for you. You've got to come down. You've got to come. It's great what happened last night. I mean, that was amazing. The whole town coming. Loads of people healed. They're all looking for you. You need to come down. And Jesus says, we're moving on. So they have to move on. There is no sense. Peter, Simon, Peter, no sense that he says, well, okay, if you go do the other villages, we'll stay here and handle this. It's absolutely unthinkable. What could they do without Jesus? If Jesus moves on, they have to move on. It was great whilst he was there, but if he leaves, there's no point being there. We're going to the other villages. That's why I've come. And they realize day one, Jesus is on a mission, and to be called to be a follower is to be caught up in that mission. It's not a mission he started, actually. It's a mission that goes right back to the beginning. It's the mission of God, which is that the whole earth is covered with the glory of God in the way that the waters cover the sea. That was it right at the beginning when Adam's created. He's told, right, now what you need to do is you need to cover the whole earth. Because although creation shouts about the glory of God, there is something about men and women who carry the glory of God in a way nothing else does. They are made in the image of God. And so the idea was that the whole earth was going to be covered with men and women who were worshipping, obeying, enjoying the presence of God and declaring the glory of God. And then we know the story that they fell short of the glory of God right at the beginning. Chapter 3, they've blown it and the image of God is marred. 
But the mission doesn't change. Still, the mission is that this world is going to be covered with the glory of God, of worshippers, white hot worshippers of Jesus Christ. It is going to happen. It's the mission of God. And Jesus came with that mission in mind because he was the seed of Abraham. The mission given to Abraham. One day, you're going to have more... In, uh, you're going to have more children than the stars in the sky and every nation, every family is going to be blessed through you. A seed of Abraham will do this and Jesus comes and that's his mission. And for those who follow Jesus, you get caught up in the mission. You can't be with him and not be caught up in the mission. You can't, we might think that we could, but you can't just say, well... Okay, tell me where you'll be at 10.30 on a Sunday morning and I'll meet you there. And Okay, I'm really eager and I'll do Wednesday at 8 as well. Tell me where you'll be and we'll meet up. Now, followers of Jesus, Monday morning you follow Jesus. Wednesday afternoon you're following Jesus. We're caught up in the mission of Jesus, which is that this gospel of the kingdom of repentance and faith of new life, of sins forgiven, of the spirit filling us, of life coming, is going to be shared to everyone around this world. So we're caught up in that. And it's wonderfully exciting, actually. I had the privilege of being at um, the Christ Central Prayer Days last November and the year before as well. And just hearing what we are caught up in as a church already. Just hearing Joseph talk about what's happening in Zambia and how that's um, the number of churches that there are now in Zambia and how that's spreading out, not just right in Zambia, but across Central Africa. Hearing guys who are moving to Cambodia to plant a second church in Cambodia. Hearing of all that's happening in Sweden and across in Canada, that obviously is a church we've been caught up in. We are caught up in the mission of Jesus and it is geographical. It's to cover the whole earth. Peter, when he's called, he has no idea what's going to happen as he's called. I wonder what's in his mind as he says, I'll give up fishing, I'll follow this man. Because followers of Jesus could find themselves anywhere. This year, you could find yourself anywhere if you're following Jesus. You know, there is a moment for Peter... When, not far from where he was called actually, in the storm, in the darkness of night, a figure is standing, bobbing around on the water, and Peter says, if it's you, Lord, ask me to come. And Jesus says to Peter, come. And Peter follows Jesus onto the water. If you're a follower of Jesus, you could end up anywhere doing anything, following Jesus. Peter, a fisherman, is going to find himself standing in Jerusalem on one of the greatest feast days that the Jews have, declaring in a loud, fearless voice that you crucified the King of Glory. What must we do? You need to repent and believe. Peter! A fisherman from the north. Peter is going to find himself doing the unthinkable and walking into a Gentile house and preaching to a Roman centurion and seeing the spirit come on them. 
Peter is almost certainly, although it's not in scripture, ends up in Rome. This, you could end up anywhere following Jesus. He comes to us, he says, follow me. He's on a mission. Followers of Jesus, follow Jesus. Followers of Jesus are caught up in the mission of Jesus. Followers of Jesus could end up anywhere. What's interesting for, for Simon Peter here is that he, um, he's joined by others. I wonder what he thought when he was first called, him and his brother. Just me and my brother following this man. Special man, something about him. I'm going to give up fishing to follow him, me and my brother. If they were to name the church at that point, it would be the sons of Jonah. That's all it was, me and my brother following Jesus. They've not walked very far before he has to think, oh, it's not going to just be me and my brother, because it's James and John. Now, I don't know whether there were high fives and whoops joining us as well, or whether there was a bit of tension because they were competitors. We're not told. Not you as well, kind of some stares. But obviously Jesus was interested in Galilean fishermen. That was his pool that he was kind of calling from. Um, It changes very soon. We're into chapter 2, and suddenly we find we're beside the sea again of Galilee, the place where they've been fishing. There is a tax booth there. There's only one reason for a tax booth to be by the Sea of Galilee. That's because this is the tax collector who collects taxes from fishermen. He watches the fish come in, makes a note. Ah, quite a big catch there from Simon. This, I'll get something of that. He's the tax collector. He gets called. Now, even if there were whoops and high fives as James and John joined, there certainly aren't as Levi joins. There is some tension. I don't know if Simon's thinking, I still owe, I still owe a couple of fish from that last catch. He'll remember. Or whether there's a bitterness. Tax collectors, as we know, were not the most popular. They got their income from overtaxing. And they did very well out of it. But this man gives it all up to follow Jesus. Peter is going to find that happening again and again as he follows Jesus, that more and more people begin to join who look very, very different to him. First it was just him and his brother. You couldn't get more similar. Then other fishermen, a bit different, same. And then a tax collector. Then we know there are lots of women who are joining, following Jesus. We know there's that moment when Peter has that dream of all this food that is forbidden for Jews to eat and a voice from heaven saying, do not call unclean what I call clean. And I'm waking up thinking, what on earth does that mean? Then there's a knock. There's a couple of Gentiles downstairs. They want you to come and share the gospel. But I can't because they're un... Ah, maybe... And suddenly he's seeing that the Spirit is poured out on these Gentiles and Gentiles join following Jesus. The number of followers of Jesus are joined by other followers of Jesus who are very different to them. In fact, it's important that they're very different to them. See, the Apostle Paul, he's going to have great revelation about this. He's going to have the sudden understanding that what was hidden in the Old Testament is a mystery now revealed. 
shown clear in Jesus. That in Christ, there is one new man in Christ. One new man. There's no Gentile, there's no Jew, there's no slave, there's no master, there's no fruit, there's no male, there's no female, there's no intelligent, there's no uneducated. There is just one in Christ. And it displays something to all the powers and principalities that are watching and to the world that looks on. It's magnificent. See, if you come to a church and they are all, they all vote one way, you kind of think, well, it's, it looks like a political party. I can see why you're all together. Or they all support the same football team. I can see why you're together. Or they all have the same whatever. You put, somebody comes in and says, well, I can see why you're together. Wonderfully in Antioch, people looked at the group in Antioch and had no idea why they were together. There were black and white, Greek, Jew, um, old, young, male, female. And they're thinking, why are you together? It's, oh, it's because of him. We'll call you Christians. Couldn't be called Jews. Couldn't be called, you just have to be called Christians because you follow Christ. And we need to display that. I'm praying, and, I've, and I know it's going to be, I, I do believe it for this church, that actually more and more you're going to be joined by people who are different to you. That's part of what God is doing among us. He's adding people that look different. So when people come in and they think, what, uh, what, what is it you all have in common? And then they kind of look where we're looking and they go, ah, it's him. They see us and then they look at him. Because that's what we have in common. It's the only thing we have in common is Jesus. First just brothers, then others fishermen, then a tax collector, then zealots, then Gentiles, then... An understanding, it's the whole earth. This vision of revelation. The end is people of all tribes and tongues. Just as Abraham was promised, every family on earth is going to be blessed through our Jesus. All called to follow him. Only him in common. There's a moment... Um, It's a lot of references to give you. But in Mark 8, 34, Jesus is talking about following him. He says, you need to take up your cross and follow me. Now, taking up your cross was not, it was very clear in everybody's mind what was going to happen if you were carrying a cross. You were going to die. Okay, we sometimes use the term... And it's become a term that people have used just as a, an inconvenience. I have sleepless nights, but it's the cross I have to bear. The cross you have to bear is not about an inconvenience, a pain, leg hurts, difficult job. Carrying a cross means you're going to die. So Jesus' call of take up your cross and follow me is not one that makes people want to punch the air and it's not a great speech that's going to gather a crowd it's basically follow me and die and we know he did we know our savior the one who says follow me went through a public humiliation and pain and died he's the one who says follow me followers of jesus 
do pay a cost. There's a cost in following Jesus. It's not all easy and wonderful. There is a cost. There's um, one disciple is says, I, I will follow you. Just let me bury my father first. Now in the Middle East, they bury immediately after death. Within a day or two, two at the most, the body's dealt with. So almost certainly this person is not saying he's died, just let me sort it out and then I'll come. What he's saying is, my father is ill, is close to death, can I just hang around and sort this out before I follow you? We were in a very similar situation actually, we felt God was calling us to Dubai, um, Five, six years ago now. No, seven years ago. And we were working through what that meant. My mum was very ill. She had Alzheimer's. She'd taken a turn for the worse. And I remember thinking that was, that was the hardest thing. And I remember thinking, Lord, I will. I really want to follow you. I just need to be here for this first. And then I come across that verse. And it kind of thinking, I'm saying exactly what this man says. I will follow you, just let me bury my mum first. Let us just sort this and then I'm yours. Jesus, I mean, some of the words of Jesus are so harsh it seems. He just says, no. He actually says, let the dead bury their own. You follow me. I remember where I was when I had to respond to that, of feeling, okay Jesus, I'll follow you. I will follow you now. Now, of course, Jesus, he spoke again into that situation so gently. I mean, he's, I remember just in worship, not even thinking about it, just him speaking and saying, you do know your mum was my daughter long before she was ever your mum. I will look after her. So he kind of helped, but... Before we got to those tender words, there was this, are you going to follow me or not? Because this passage that we read starts with Jesus' declaration, the kingdom's here. There is another king. He's here, follow him. There is this declaration, we're in this kingdom, there's another kingdom, there's conflict. There's no, there's no ground that isn't fought over. It's all taken. And then this kingdom comes in and says, now follow me. And there's conflict, huge conflict at times. Maybe some of you know that even now. Maybe part of you, shall I follow him? Because if I follow him, it might mean this. He comes and says, follow me. I want you to follow me now. Whatever the cost. Because the cost in the end feels like death. Our life put on hold. Our career, our hopes, our dreams all put aside for him. We're carrying our cross. That cross, that's what it means to carry the cross. We're following him. And it, but we know the story. It looks like a dead end. It looks like you just go down and down and down and down, dead. But actually, as you follow him, you find down, down. Oh, hang on a minute. There's a way through. Oh, there's a way through. Glory. That's what the cross is. That's the story of the cross. That he dies 
And then he rises again. And it's from there he says, follow me. I know it's through death, I know it's through dying, but it actually is to glory. And many situations feel like that as we follow Jesus. It just feels like it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. It feels like dying, dying, but then it's glory. And of course, wonderfully, even death itself is like that. Jesus says, right at the point of death, follow me. And takes us through into glory. But there's a cost in following Jesus. And it's good to think it through. Say, okay, I'm going to follow you, Lord, whatever the cost. But it is worth it. Because followers of Jesus get to be with Jesus. That's why it's such a beautiful picture. Baby on the lap. Dog nestling up. Reading the book. Warm, fuzzy feeling. Followers of Jesus are the ones who get to be with Jesus. They are there when he's transformed in front of them. They are there to see him say, little girl, get up. They are there to hear his heartbeat as their head is lying against him. And as he says words that some miss, but those who are closest to him hear. Followers of Jesus get to be with Jesus. And then, of course, you're thinking, yeah, but it's different now, isn't it? Isn't it different now? Because he's not here. Can't see him. Where is he? It's great for Simon Peter to be there wherever Jesus went, he went. That sounds quite easy. Give up and then you just follow him. Now he's going, I can do this, I can do this. Now we're going here. We just follow him. Well, the moment comes, it's in John 13, where Jesus says these words. Now hear them through the lens of a follower of Jesus. Somebody who's learned over two or three years to really be good. Wherever he goes, we go. Whatever he says, we we do. He says this. Right, now I'm going somewhere where you can't go. Whoa, hang on a minute. We, three years it's been, we've been learning to follow you and go exactly where you go. Jesus says, I'm going somewhere where you can't go. He's not just talking about his death and that he'll be, I'll be back in a few days. He's actually talking about his return to glory. That's what he's talking about there. I'm going somewhere where you can't go. Don't worry. That's why he keeps saying don't worry to them throughout that passage. John 14, 15, 16. This is shaking their world. They've just learned to follow Jesus and now he's going somewhere they can't go. Don't worry, he says. Don't worry. I'm not going to leave you alone. I will send another to walk alongside you. A helper, an encourager, the paraclete, the one who walks alongside you. There's going to be another. In fact, he says, I will come to you. So they don't understand. He actually says, you won't understand this until the spirit comes and he'll, he'll explain it then. But don't worry, I'm going, but another will come to walk alongside you. So on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit is poured out and Peter suddenly realize, realizes it. It's him. It's, I understand now, it's him. It's the same voice in our ears. It's the same feeling as when he was here. This is what was promised. And he stands up and he preaches. And so through the Acts, we're told, Luke says, what Jesus continued to do through his apostles. The apostles, at one point, the spirit is referred to as the spirit of Jesus. It feels like following Jesus. 
There is no way to follow Jesus now except by the Spirit of God. It's not an optional extra. It's not, oh, well, those who are really, really into this Christianity thing, they talk about the Holy Spirit and they want to be filled with the Spirit. There is no other way of following Jesus because he's not here physically. He has sent another to walk alongside us, the Holy Spirit, who leads us. So Peter is there and he hears, don't call unclean what I call clean. And he follows Jesus into the Gentile house. And Paul, as he's looking, going on the mission, the mission of Jesus, caught up in it, is stopped. No, don't go there. Not there. The spirit of Jesus stopped us. And then we were called across into Philippi. They're following Jesus. They're doing the same thing. In 2018, there's no way of following Jesus except by the spirit of Jesus. We need to be open to the spirit. Jesus has said, follow me. How are we going to follow him? I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to be with you by my spirit. So we have to be open. We're open to the spirit. Want us to be open to the spirit of Jesus. That we follow him into all that he has for us in 2018. There was... um, There's a moment when Peter says, I'm going back fishing. He just, he's had enough. This following Jesus got so confusing now. Jesus has disappeared, but then he's appeared. He was crucified, but then he seems to have, they've seen him a few times, but it's not like it used to be. He's not, they can't follow him like that anymore. It's kind of, he's there and then he's gone. So what does it mean to follow Jesus now? And it, he basically says, I'm just going, I've had enough. I'm going back fishing. And the others join him. They just go back fishing. And uh, I felt there were some who were in this situation. Following Jesus just got really difficult, actually. A bit confusing and a bit hard. And it's just easy to say, I'll go fishing. I'm just going to go back to what I want. And that might be... That might not be sinful, it might just be something else. Or it might be sin. Something, I'm just going back to this, it's just all too confusing. So they're out, this is at the end of John's Gospel, they're out, they've been out all night, they've not caught anything. Can't even fish anymore. No good at following Jesus. I've I've insulted him, I said I wasn't a follower of Jesus, now he keeps appearing and disappearing. I'm no good at following Jesus, I'm no good at fishing dejected, they're bobbing around. The early morning when you're out uh, on the lake, you do hear cocks crow. Can you imagine that? Every morning Peter has heard a cock crow. Every morning it reminds him of how bad a follower of Jesus he is, how he's failed. And now he can't fish. And he's in the boat, and there's a man on the side who just says, have you got any fish? That would be common. Somebody wakes up for breakfast, we want some fish. Have we got any fish? Go down, to the, go down to the lake and see if there's any fish there. Have you got any fish? Just rubs it in. No. No good fishermen anymore. Why don't you try the other side? Now surely something tingles down the back of Peter's neck as he hears that. It's happened before that. And they do, they, carry, they get this huge catch of fish. It's John who sees it first, 
who says, it's the Lord. What a wonderful thing to be able to say, to recognize him first and to nudge Simon and say, it's the Lord. Now, Simon Peter grabs his cloak and dives in. It's like, what am I doing fishing? I remember what I am. I'm a follower of Jesus. Splash. And he alone with Jesus has that time with him. Well, actually, Jesus has fish already. Somehow. And he's cooked breakfast. Come and sit with me, Peter. I need to talk. I'd love to be the one this morning to say, look, it's the Lord. And to hear kind of splashes around the room. As you kind of think, what am I doing fishing? I'm a follower of Jesus. And in 2018, as we go into 2018, you're going to follow Jesus. Some of you may want me to do that. Actually, just, I'm responding again. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm even no good at it without you. I'm going to follow you. But then, there's a couple of other things. Just pick up on one of them. Peter and Jesus then have this conversation at the end of John's Gospel. And after he's been, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? Jesus says, it's very interesting to Peter. He says... You know, Peter, you can, you're young, you can do anything you want. You go where you want, dress what you want, how you like. The time's coming when somebody will dress you and take you somewhere you don't want to go. Now, it says it's talking about his death, the way he's going to die. But Jesus' words then, even as he said that, I, I, when I read them, just thinking about it, I, it sounds incredible. At that moment... When you have no option, when your life has closed down and you're being dressed and you're being led somewhere you don't want to go, Jesus then says, his next words are this, follow me. And I just felt there were some people, you may feel that your life is closed down, almost like the options aren't there. The option to go to Zambia isn't there. The option to do this isn't there. Almost like life is closed down at that point. You can still follow Jesus. And just as as a personal testimony, I saw that in my mum and dad, where their life closed down completely. At the end, mum was just in bed, couldn't do anything, except take communion, open her mouth. And some of her last words were always, ooh, lovely. That That was her life closed down. I was thinking, what can she do? She's following Jesus. Because that's the way Jesus went. No options, tied, nailed. He says, follow me. If there are, it seems like I can't do anything. Still God comes to, Jesus comes to us and says, follow me. So I, I'm going to ask us to respond. I've got, I've got this sense that we all need to respond to this. As a church, as individuals, maybe you do want to respond as a family or a couple. In 2018... As we walk into the unknown, what are we going to do? Jesus, we're going to follow you. That brings such security. You're never going to be alone. Never going to be alone in 2018 if we're following Jesus. He said he would never leave us, never forsake us. That's our decision. We're going to follow you, Lord. Whatever the cost, wherever it takes us, whatever adventures you have for us, however tedious it might be, we are going to follow you. 
That's our response as a church and as individuals. And I think we can all do that. I felt though there were a few group, there's just a few. You may want to respond specifically to some of these. And I'm going to ask you to come forward actually. Some of you may want to follow Jesus for the first time. Even as Anne brought that word. It's very simple. You are believing in Jesus. You're repenting of your sin. You are going to follow him. He comes to you and says, will you follow me? And there may be some this morning and you're going to say, I've been friends of followers of Jesus. I've been interested in Jesus. I've been coming along to church. Now I know I just need to be a follower of Jesus. And you're coming forward to be a follower of Jesus. And then others, it may be that that you feel the tension of the follow me because there's something else that you just need to finish first. I do believe God will help you with that, but I believe you need to say yes to him. Whatever. Let the dead bury their own. You follow Jesus. And that's been a struggle. And actually a response helps that. You will, you will deal with that even this morning if you come forward. Maybe there'll be, you want to share that, you may not want to. But you may want to talk that and pray with that somebody. And then I do, I, I love there to be splashes around the room where you just think, what have I been doing? I need to follow Jesus. I need to renew that. I need to make it really clear. As I've just realized in worship, it's the Lord. I'm going to come and follow him. So if that's you, I'd like you to come forward as well. But the way we're going to do it, I'd like us first all to stand. If you want to follow Jesus into 2018, so I made the assumption that would be all. But if you want to follow Jesus into 2018, just stand now. Because I want to pray over us. I want us to pray. If we're going, to, we're going to follow Jesus as a church, whatever he has for us, as individuals, wherever he's going to take us, 